Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Sistery History, Showtime! Ancient Greek theatre flourished between the 6th and the 3rd centuries BCE. Initially focused in Athens, its popularity soon spread to other city-states, and it didn't take long for theatres to start popping up beyond Greece too. The roots of this art were a festival called the City Dionysia, held every year to honour Dionysus, the god of, among other things, wine, revelry, fertility and festivity. Alongside the city Dionysia, there were other festivals where playwrights could showcase their efforts, the result being that by the classical period, theatre was thoroughly established into the fabric of society. To give you an idea of just how important it was for the ancient Athenians, the state treasury would soon start paying for citizens to attend. Prisoners were let out to watch the plays, and performances were staged throughout the whole day from dawn to dusk. That is a whole lot of popcorn. Dionysus really did get a good deal with his godly responsibilities, didn't he? (laughs) I mean, wine, revelry, festivity. If anyone is on the lookout for a goddess of wine and revelry, I am available. (laughs) Sources for today, then. First up, I've got a visual source. Fun. Then you're going to be talking about Demosthenes. Yes, Demosthenes is... Greek statesman, lawyer, orator. In fact, he was a professional speechwriter and rated by many as the greatest Greek orator, which isn't bad. He was around in the 4th century BCE. Then we're welcoming back Aristotle, Greek philosopher, father of Western logic and our great homework slash quiz buddy. Welcome back, Aristotle. He's also around in the 4th century BCE. And then finally, you've got an epigram for us, which is an inscription from the Athenian treasury. I do, yes, an inscription. Okay, exciting. So who should we start with then? The theatre mask. So folks, head on over to Twitter or Instagram to look at the visual while we talk about this one. The sense I want to focus on here is sight. Okay. Theatre masks were a core part of the costumes in Greek theatre. You can see here they were striking, bold features. So you've got small but quite staring eye holes. Mm -hmm. You've got a big mouth or a gaping wide mouth. You've got a pronounced forehead there, prominent eyebrows. Typically the masks would have hair or beards attached, so that was pretty normal. So they would actually cover the whole face of the actors on stage. So you wouldn't be able to see any of the actors' faces. But this was a good thing because the theatres were so large, some of them seating, you know, 15,000, 17,000 people, that you wouldn't be able to see the expressions on a normal human face. So these very stylized masks would emphasise everything. So make them as visible as possible, I guess, for as many people. He's quite gruesome, isn't he, this particular lad? He is a little bit, and some of the masks were really quite disturbing. I've seen photos of some of the tragic masks, so the masks from the tragic theatre. They looked a little bit like the scream mask, you know, that stock, quite elongated, very pale... Face-melting. Yes, face-melting mask. And if you add in the dark robes that were really common for the chorus to wear in, in tragedy... Then it's got a bit of a Dementor vibe from Harry Potter. Okay. Very harrowing. Yeah. (laughs) Not pleasant at all. So typically the chorus would have the same mask. The chorus moved as one, they spoke as one, and often they used very stylized movements and they would gesticulate a lot. The masks would therefore support what the chorus were doing on stage. There was very much a kind of unity. They were one voice in the action, you know, moralising or commenting on the action or what was going on, etc. 
as well as the masks assisting the visuals and what you could see, the actors would pad out their costumes. Did you know that? No. Yep. To make them look bigger. And so it was easier to see. To see them. Yeah. And also they would wear thick-soled shoes. Cuban heels, effectively. Perfect. I mean, why wouldn't you if you could? And I did read a really interesting thing about colour, the use of colour in costumes. It was used quite a lot and there are colours associated with certain themes or certain activities. So black is associated with mourning, bright colours for happy occasions, white to indicate purity or ritual. The male actors would wear long white sleeves to indicate when they were playing a female role. Okay. And... Tragic costume tended to involve more ornate decoration and patterns. Also, one more thing, in Aristophanes, actually in the text, there's quite a lot of references to purple and saffron and red. So they were very common colours that were used and referred to within the plays themselves. And is that because he was a comic writer? I think so, yeah. So you've got the brighter colours, yeah. The depressing tragedy, or yeah. going around like Death Eaters. And... But it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So if you couldn't see or hear exactly what was going on, if everyone's dressed in black, you know it's a bit sad. <laughs> if you've uh, dropped off for a few hours having vibed and too much sausage and wine, you might wake up and go, oh, we're at the comedies. Oh, okay. <laughs> Helps to guide the audience along a bit, I think. <laughs> and of course, as we know from our last episode on law, you could dress up as a wasp. Yes, you could, or a cloud. Or a cloud, or a bird, or a frog. Yeah, or a frog, or a horse. (laughs) The possibilities are endless. And by the way, these are genuine things that the comic choruses would dress up as. (laughs) But even though we've got these masks, they're quite prominent in terms of the features, and hopefully as many people as possible could see them, it was still hard to see. Imagine you're sitting at the back in a 15,000-seater arena. Mm. You're not going to be able to see very much, are you? So, in fact, the playwrights would help with descriptive language when they were talking and say things like, why these tears that wet your eyes? Why are you pale? So with these words, the playwrights would assist the actors and help describe what the audience should be seeing or imagining. Sometimes the actors might change masks. If they're playing different characters. Yes, if they were playing different characters. But also in one particular example, it might support the plot for one character to change masks. So they're happy in one scene and then sad in the next. Yes. Or a more extreme version I've got here. In the Euripides play Orestes, Orestes blinds himself off stage. Oh, of course. Right. So he goes off stage, does his bit of blinding, comes back and then his mask would have had red blood dripping down it from the eye sockets. Makes sense. All very pleasant. Wonderful. (laughs) So should we end on that pleasant note then with the theatre masks? Blood dripping from people's eyes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, nice way to round it off. (laughs) On to Demosthenes. I'm going to talk about Demosthenes, and this is an extract from his, one of his many law speeches. This particular speech is Demosthenes against Androtion. And Demosthenes, as we said at the top, well-known speech giver. He liked to drone on a bit. I feel like he must have been a bit of a bore. Really? But he was good at it. So we've got to give credit where credit's due. Mm. Well, people listened then, so maybe it wasn't boring. Maybe it was just... Stirring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is his Against Androtion 68. He asks if the prison was built for nothing. I would say so, since your father escaped from it after dancing in the procession of the Dionysia wearing his chains. Short and sweet. Yes. 
lovely little image there of a man dancing with his chains on <laughs> during what, what? the festival. <laughs> Can I just ask, where are the chains? How many chains? I presume around his maybe hands and ankles. So shackles. Shackle type. Yeah. yeah, imagine shackles. But this highlights one of the things that went on during the festival of the Great Dionysia. We have to preface a lot of Greek theatre by saying it wasn't just it wasn't just like going to the theatre like we do now. We can't choose, oh, what should we do this weekend? Should we go to the theatre? It wasn't that. The experience was based in festivals, celebrating the god. It was very intense. It was basically five days of watching plays for nine hours straight from dawn till dusk. Mm, yeah. And everyone went, didn't they? It was just... Even the prisoners. Even the prisoners in their shackles. So it's customary during some of the festivals to let the prisoners out of jail, mm-hmm. on bail, but it had to be subject to bail. And perhaps prisoners took this as an opportunity to escape. Because how do you round people up after that? You're going to need a lot of stewards. There were thousands and thousands of people during these festivals, dancing in the processions, partaking in the festivities, going to the plays. Mm. How do you keep an eye on everyone? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's a public security nightmare. But what it does show is that it was a whole city experience, so much so that they let prisoners out to attend. Yeah. So there were several parts to the city Dionysia and other festivals honouring the god Dionysus, god of... Wine, revelry, fertility and festivity. (laughs) And theatre. It was a whole city experience. You see your fellow citizens in the audience. You might be sitting with people you live near. Over a thousand citizens partook in the plays themselves. So you'd see your friends up on stage Mm. or people you knew. Which does kind of change the theatre going experience. You know when you know someone in the cast, you're like, oh, it's Eric. I always say (laughs) Eric. Anyway, yeah. You know what I mean? But when you see someone you know, do you think you'd be more likely to heckle? Well, you might if you like them. You'd feel more close, wouldn't you? You'd feel like it was more of a convivial, friendly experience rather than exactly. An oh, it's just my next one. door neighbour. Yeah, it's like, just what you know. So you've got everyone there, and then the people who aren't on stage. You're sitting with them. So this happens during the daytime. You can see people sitting. You can see the politicians, especially during the comedies when they're being made fun of. Mm. You can see how they react. Maybe they laugh and clap and grit their teeth and think bastards but what happened was the whole city shut down while these dramatic festivals were on that's how important it was there was no law court there was no assembly you couldn't call in debts work stopped Mm. you had to go to the theater yeah very intense experience like we said you watch plays for days on end yeah and with so many people as well With so many people just sitting next to you and and eating. and The city Dionysia took place in early springtime. And that's a time where where the sea routes opened up. So you would get foreigners in the city as well watching the festivities. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the year, there was another dramatic festival to Dionysus called the Linnea. Oh, that's that's where the comedies happened, wasn't it? Correct. And that was in January. So it was too cold to travel it was too stormy and things like that. That would be more for the residents of Athens only to attend. Okay. The other thing, you can't just nip to the theatre like we said at the weekend. These plays were only put on once, Mm. which is crazy when you think about it. I don't really know how anyone ever could start reciting any plays. Well, I guess maybe troops would take them to rural places and then replay them. Yes, I think that did happen. But it's not like there were long runs of specific plays that you could go back to, like The Mousetrap 
or phantom. Wasn't like that at all. Yeah. So just going back to just the sheer amount of people that were there, because in relation to the sensory aspects, the Theatre of Dionysus in Athens held up to about 17,000 people. I think it was actually enlarged a few times. When it was built in stone. And there was the sources that talk about people struggling to find seats. So it's filling up. Yeah. Everyone is going. I looked up a few theatre capacities. <laughs> and okay. the, the Aldrich in London seats 1,160 people. No. Yeah. The Globe in London currently seats 1,400. Back in the 17th century, 3,000. But obviously there was standing, standing room. Yeah. So that is a vast difference, isn't it? Obviously we've got a lot of health and safety considerations today that wouldn't have applied back then. But... It's just vast in terms of how many people are, are in there all together, sitting together, mm. rustling of sweet papers. <laughs> you know, I mean, the entire city was there. Heckling if they didn't like it. How are you going to hear anything? <laughs> well, true. But like we said, it's part of being a democracy, isn't it? It's part of being a citizen in Athens. You went because it's almost the being seen. It's mm. partaking in that citizenship, turning up, watching the plays as a unit yes you have to what do you think about the snack opportunities getting Uh, (laughs) getting your half-time wine is going to be very difficult the sausage seller is going to be run off his poor little feet poor guy yeah how's he going to do it he's going to need a troop of helpers the good thing about sausages is you can just throw them at people so if somebody (laughs) wanted one in the back row there's no way i'd be hiking up there i would be just lobbing sausages (laughs) into the crowd oh my word and getting my payment raining back on me I presume it's good that you didn't go into hospitality does the source material back up this approach (laughs) sausage lobbing yeah no (laughs) funny that well talking about the heckling and the sausages flying everywhere how could you hear anything Laura well linked to that should we do my next source which is Aristotle okay and the sense I will be focusing on is sound I'll be reading from Ethics, Book 10, Chapter 5. When we enjoy something very much, we can hardly do anything else. And when we find a thing only mildly agreeable, we turn to some other occupation. For instance, people who noisily eat sweets at a theatre do so especially when the acting is bad. There you go. Right. So this extract is about pleasure and how people behave in response to it. So that's what Aristotle's talking about. So if you've got two things in your life that are competing for attention, the more fun one is going to win. Because it's louder. No, I just oh. <laughs> I haven't got onto the sound part oh, I yet. See, sorry. Be patient. I'm just leading you in with some context. Jumped ahead there. <laughs> so in this example, eating sweets is winning over some poor quality acting. Basically, the audience are restless because the acting isn't very good. And so they've started opening their M&Ms and, and yeah. just, you know, doing something else. The they've big got pack of munchies that you can get. Exactly. We've all been there. There's been a rubbish film on TV, so you go and make a cup of tea and get a snack. Yep. You know, it's With just, you. they've been distracted. So many things flew into my mind when I read this. I thought, what was the packaging? <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was your first thought. What kind of sweets are you imagining? I'm pretty sure they didn't have munchies and revels. No, no, I'm sure they didn't. But if you're eating sweets noisily, is it just you're chewing noisily? Maybe you're making a lot of chomping noises or there must be some sort of packaging. You don't just have loose sweets in your You would assume robes. there may be some kind of ceramic container. Yes. Or wooden container. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And then I thought, well, what are they going to do with that? 
if there's any packaging that's thrown away, hopefully it's reusable and they can take it home. Right. But, you know, yeah. there might be some refuse to consider. Were there bins? Were there bins, yeah. And then I thought about snack-based noises we get today in the theatre and mm. the cinema. You've got people who really don't care. They will rustle with wild abandon. They don't mind. They'll open a packet of crisps. They'll slurp the drink. Yeah. 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 Then you've got the polite people who will open packages at a noisy point. I love those ones. (laughs) Very quickly. (laughs) Really quickly. Get them open. Or they'll have opened everything before the start. That's what I do. I'm an open everything kind of person. You just hope it doesn't fall out. And then you've got the passive aggressive people who are tutting at the rustlers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they're looking over. Turn round. Turn round. Tut. But they don't actually say anything. So, yeah, that just made me think, have we got the same thing going on in ancient Athens? Talking about modern day, though, I am very against, you know, in some movie theatres, in America especially, you can get a full-on meal. Oh, yes. Delivered to your I've been to such establishments. I can't think of anything worse. I think that's the height of bad it's rude it's rude it's just awful and that's very smelly as well it smells you've got the clinking of the cutlery i mean popcorn i'm kind of fine with because yeah it's inoffensive it doesn't really crunch like crisps or anything like that mm-hmm. there's no wrapper involved but a full-on three-course steak dinner i, <laughs> I just can't get behind burger and fries <laughs> thinking about the types of snacks though what was available Sausages, you're throwing them. Yeah, I'm in charge of sausages. I've heard tell of figs and olives. Okay, they don't make much noise. They don't make much noise. But But you could throw the pips at the actors. Well, this is it. Because if people didn't like the action, they might not just be rustling their sweets and eating things noisily. They would throw missiles. We do have accounts of this. Stones as well, not just pips. Well, do you think that's why they wore the padded clothes? <laughs> well, I suppose it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the headwear basically just bounces off. They were impervious to attack. Fine. <laughs> as a slight deviation, but still on the theme of sound, I was thinking about the actual architecture of the theatres. We know they're semicircle in shape, so they're doing their best to try and allow as many people as possible to hear with the architecture there. The semicircle style is reputed to have a really good acoustic. You hear the myth, don't you, of being able to hear a pin drop from the back row. We did it, though, when we went to Epidauros. Yes. Do you remember what happened? Because I can't. Yes, you could hear it. You could hear it perfectly. Yeah, you could hear people speak perfectly. But as long as the actor was facing forward, as soon as you turn to the side or behind you couldn't hear anything Mm. so i guess that's why the actors when you see these reenactions are always facing forward because otherwise the sound would have been lost laura you mentioned the area there the theater space theatai is a group of spectators is that ai at the end ai and then theatron is the space for those spectators which is where we get the word theatre correct so it's not the act of doing it that is not the word for theatre even Ah. though that's what we call it nowadays Mm. it's actually the space for the audience to observe ah nice i like that very neat well i read some really interesting things about the techniques that they used the limestone that was used in some of the theatre seating and structures actually suppressed low frequencies so it would minimise the crowd murmur. Interesting. Yeah. And also it could reflect high frequencies back at the audience, the voices of the actors. Obviously, when other materials were involved, because later on you got wood structures and seating, that wouldn't have the same effect. So it was the limestone 
that was really giving those sorts of qualities. Also, there would be gaps underneath some of the seating areas where large vessels, like large amphora or urns would be placed to sort of act like loudspeakers. What? Right? I read that in a couple of articles. What? Explain. How would that work? So there would be cavities under the stairs within the theatre structure Mm -hmm. and you could place a large empty vessel under there and they would act as an amplifier, sound (gasps) amplification. Like putting your iPhone in a cup when you forget to bring your speaker on holiday. Exactly. That's crazy. I say exactly. I've never done that and I never knew it was a thing. (laughs) Just thinking back to the masks that we looked at, the gaping wide mouths in the mask were thought to assist with amplification of the actors' voices as well. That would make sense. They were doing something right. They're regularly filling up these 15,000-seater arenas and fighting for seats. They're obviously liking something. People dangling from trees so that they can get a good view and things like that. Exactly. So you've got the masks and these empty vessels and the limestone seats helping the actors along. But really, the actors needed good, strong voices as well. It was really important. They had to be able to project. So a strong voice equaled a strong actor. But also, interestingly, I read about a concept called silent extras. Okay. Have you come across these? I have not. Usually, there would only be a maximum of three actors and speaking parts on stage. You'd have the chorus, of course, treat them separately, but... Originally, there was one actor speaking, then it was increased to two, then it was increased to three. Yes. But occasionally, the play that you were doing, or the action, required there to be a few more people on stage at any one time. I see. And that's where this concept of silent extras came from. But these actors couldn't talk. They're not allowed to talk. They're not allowed to talk. they're not one of the three. Exactly. So it's a very hard and fast rule. It was obviously adhered to very strictly. But occasionally you would need them to speak or you'd need to address them. So the same example as I used earlier for the change of masks with the bleeding eyes, the Euripides play Orestes, there is a silent extra who is addressed within the action of the play, but he can't talk. What do you do? So someone else, one of the other three speaking actors says, his silence gives consent. Oh, clever. Right? Isn't that a good way around it? I love that. It reminds me of Eurovision. You know when you're only what? <laughs> you know when you're performing in the final of Eurovision, maybe in the heat, and you're only allowed to have two live instruments on stage or something. Oh yes, is that I can't remember the exact rule. Right, but it just reminded me of that. Yeah, I think that's all I've got on the sound aspects. If you'd like to delight us with your final source, I would. So actually, it's really nice because we were talking about snacks. Yes, I'm going to talk about other types of taste going on at the theatre. This is an inscription from the Athenian treasury, which recorded how much money was received by the city for the sale of animal hides following the City Dionysia Festival in 333 BC. Wow, that is very specific. Yeah, so they were recording how much money they earned for selling off these animal skins. Did they record what they earned for other things as well? Yeah. Okay, good. It's just the city treasury. So right, this is so just... it's just all of the data relating to trade. Correct, yeah. This is a very boring inscription. I mean, <laughs> I'll read it to you, but you can Surprise imagine. Surprise, I don't there. know it. <laughs> it's IG1496.80F. I mean, that's boring already. Is it one of your faves? <laughs> this says, Received from the city Dionysia from the cattle purchasers... 808 drachmas for obols. Any idea how much money that is? Mm, well, um, I'm going to go with 75 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 808 drachmas and four obols, that's for sure. Depending on the price given or achieved 
for a hide. This could mean anything between 100 and 300 cows were sacrificed during that particular year for the City Dionysia Festival. Okay, so these are the sacrifices at the beginning of the festival. Correct. I mean, even 100 cows is a lot. The fact that it could be anywhere between 100 and 300 cows being sacrificed for this festival is a lot of cows. Is it only sacrifices on one day? Is that, have I got that right? What happened was, I don't think we actually talked about this. If you're at the City Dionysia, it starts with various festivals for the god. Processions, drinking, dancing, a lot of wine, moving the effigy of the god out of the city and then back into the city again so that it can come and watch the plays. Quite lovely. And also, huge phalluses. <laughs> <laughs> How do we always bring it back to huge fallacies on sticks? <laughs> I don't know, but it's true. I thought back to the Liberalia festival that we talked about in our season <laughs> yeah. one episode about festivals in Rome. Absolutely that. So but it's true, I'm not lying. Sticks. It's all about fertility, it's all about wine, processing through the streets. Apart from the record of how many cows were sacrificed... We've also got depictions of these processions on pottery. Huge loaves of bread on spits being carried. Wine skins, full goat skins full of wine. Honey cakes, all depicted on these vases. Mm -hmm. You've got cows and you've got bread. You've got yourself a hamburger, mate. You've got a hot beef sandwich. And enough to feed probably about 70,000 people. Wow, I was going to say, who gets to eat that? Well, definitely citizens, mm -hmm. but who knows? I mean, I feel like everyone could have had a beer. So maybe the sausage seller is surplus to requirements. He's definitely surplus to requirements, but you might, over the course of the four days or five days that you're watching all these plays, yeah. you're going to need more than just a beef sandwich. That's true. Yeah, you're going to be there for nine, ten hours, need a few snacks. However, the sense that I haven't mentioned yet <laughs> is taste. You've got a lovely beefy sandwich. You've got the smell of the barbecue as well. These cows would have been sacrificed and then the meat would not have just gone to waste. It would have been cooked and then divided amongst the people attending the festival. Are they sacrificed one by one or all at the same time? Is it a mass slaughter? The logistics are interesting, aren't Incredible they? Incredible logistics. We're an area of the world that isn't very good with cattle raising. Mm. It's not really cattle area, Attica or Athens. No. So actually a lot of the outside city-states would be told to bring a cow and bring a phallus. <laughs> that is the kind of party I want to go to. <laughs> it's like a bring a dish party. <laughs> I want you to think about not only watching these plays, but watching these plays with the wine, with the beef sandwich, with your hamburger, with your honey cakes, doing it all together as one, as one big Athenian community. And celebrating together but also maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to eat meat normally to have that much wine to have these honey cakes it was a treat it was definitely a treat mm. and a very intense one because you <laughs> you've got to do it for five days solid <laughs> force as much beef down your gullet as you can well i'm sure many of our listeners would revel in that would you like a quiz Please. Okay. Can I have Aristotle again? Yeah, he's available. Demosthenes might, I feel like he might just speak over me and take the pen and, you know, write down the answers even though he doesn't really know them. Oh yeah, that's not good quiz etiquette at all. Good. Stick with Aristotle. Okay. Five points available today. All of the information we've covered. Good. So hopefully you should be familiar with it. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Question one. How many people do we think the Theatre of Dionysus in Athens held at its peak? A... 
14,000, B, 17,000, C, 18,000. I'm going to say B, 17,000. Correct. Question two. Two points available for this one. What were two of the costume-related tricks used to give audience members near the back a better view of the action? So you could pad it out and also wear Cuban heels. Correct. <laughs> so you're up to three. Three out of three. Sticking with the theme of costumes, name one of the elements that indicated the status of a character. So high status. Oh, the colour of their costume. Uh, gold costumes. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> Golden and purple costumes. Mm, sort of. Bright colours. Oh. I'm going to give you a half because you're in the right ballpark. Okay. Question four. What might an audience member do if they were bored with a play or didn't like what was happening? They might fall asleep. They might throw sweet detritus at <laughs> the actors. Or I guess they could boo or heckle, especially if it's one of their hated neighbours up on stage. Uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've said enough. Yeah, There was only one point required, oh, really? so yeah, you've done very well. So I will award you four and a half out of five for that excellent effort. Fantastic. Do you know what? Aristotle is proving to be a really good quiz buddy. He is. I would stick with him. Well, I've had my programme signed by the protagonist Excellent. and I'm going to get the bus home. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you, folks. If you like what you heard today, then please do take the time to like, rate or subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. See you next time. Bye.